Welcome to Igniting the Fire Within, a limited series podcast presented by Wildfire Magazine and The Burn Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, April Stearns. Each week for the next year, you'll hear an essay from our book read by the author. Igniting the Fire Within is a collection of stories of healing, hope, and humor, offering an insider's view into today's young breast cancer community. We compiled 50 essays for people diagnosed in their 20s, 30s, and 40s. There is medicine for each of us in these stories, whether you've been personally diagnosed with cancer or not. Wildfire stories in general, but especially the ones you'll hear from Igniting the Fire Within, are stories of transformation. Our storytellers experienced a shift in perspective as a result of something that happened to them. And the cancer diagnosis was not the thing that happened, or it wasn't the only thing. The cancer diagnosis was merely the catalyst for later changes that led our writers to understand deep truths about the world. Each one of them learned lessons that showed them what it is to live, not just survive, in the glare of cancer. We believe deeply that the stories that change us aren't so much about what happened as they are about what came next. And hearing those stories, true stories of transformation, that's what ignites the fire within each of us. A listener note before we dive in, cancer is a salty business and sometimes talking about it and the aftermath requires salty language. Listener discretion is advised. Today's storyteller is Whitney O'Connor. Whitney is a licensed professional counselor and the founder of the Booby Queen Company. She was diagnosed both at age 30 and again at age 32 with breast cancer. The first time was stage three, the second time stage one, and along the way she also discovered she carries the genetic mutation of TP53. She comes to us from Augusta, Georgia, and today she is here to read her story titled The Cancer Gene. Enjoy. Me. I think I want that one. Genetic counselor. Wait, that one? No, 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 no. You don't want that one. Me. Why not? Genetic counselor. It's known as the cancer gene. It was quite confusing for everyone, mostly me, to grasp the fact that I was diagnosed with stage 3 breast cancer at 30 years old. This is why I had to see a genetic counselor and get tested. Before getting my results back, I automatically assumed that I had the BRCA1 or BRCA2 gene because that's what I saw referenced the most in the waiting room magazines and posters on the wall while I was changing into a gown at the girl doctor. I heard about celebrities having mastectomies as a precaution because they had this very gene. So at first, it seemed safer to have any other gene than those, or so I thought. The genetic counselor handed me a folder with Lee-Fermini syndrome written on it. The more I googled Lee-Fermini syndrome, the more I realized that I did not want this gene. Long story short, when our cells reproduce themselves, sometimes they make bad copies. For normal people, their P53 gene comes in to correct these mistakes kind of like a copy machine repairman. The whole job of the P53 gene is to suppress tumor growth. But for people with Lee-Fermini syndrome, the P53 gene is not working. Then these bad cells do bad things, like cause cancer. This meant that my life was going to be different from what I thought. 
mortality and wondering how many times I was going to get cancer was suddenly all I thought about. But where did it come from? My family? My dad, maybe? This made sense to me because in 2015, my father passed away from a glioblastoma. Anyone who has heard about this type of brain tumor knows that it's not a good one. This type of brain tumor automatically gets put in the stage four category. I never thought that I'd be helping my parents make life and death decisions at 27 years old. I mean, I just started adulting myself. The pressure of managing dad's treatments and well-being was a taxing and emotional endeavor, but we rose to the occasion as a family. My mother, brother, husband, and sister-in-law mastered the art of caretaking. We made a decision that we would all be transparent and have regular family meetings. And Mineralite was always a part of these meetings. Yes, it's gross, but it was my dad's favorite. From appointments to treatments to diet to lifting, transitioning to showering to toileting, we did it all. Over time, that brain tumor turned him into a mute, confused child. You know that saying that it takes a village to raise a child? It takes a village to help someone die comfortably and gracefully, too. We tried our best to turn his sad eyes into happy ones, no matter how exhausted we were. After 18 months of chemotherapy, radiation, and clinical trials, my dad left the earth at 56. One thing I'm sure of is this. He would be proud of the family he left behind. We'll never know if my father had Lee syndrome, but at this point, I think he did. Cancer usually manifests itself in mostly soft tissue sarcomas in folks who have this disorder. Looking back, taking care of my dad through his treatment and death was like a crucible for me. Through the exhaustion, anxiety, and overwhelm, who knew that helping my father take, in, take on cancer forged a skill set we all may rely on time and time again. Fast forward two years later, and then it was my turn. It was my turn to be the patient. After finding out we had to do this whole cancer thing all over again as a family, my husband and I took a deep dive into my family tree. We used Ancestry.com and began interviewing relatives that might know more details about our health history. We became genetic detectives in a sense. To say that I wished, prayed, and hoped that this terrible genetic condition stopped with me is an understatement. I would gladly put every penny I had into every wishing wall on earth in order to never have to see any of my family go through cancer again. It's a 50-50 shot for this gene to be passed down, and I wanted it to stop with me. But it didn't. After we started to uncover more health history with my father's side of the family, my brother was encouraged to get tested. Ironically, I was more upset about him testing positive than myself. I was okay with getting bad news every now and then, but not him. I'd rather go through chemo treatment 10 more times if it meant that he didn't have to deal with it too. But he does. My brother has always worn a cape in my eyes. As kids, I found myself admiring him more than actual adults in my world. He was my hero. There was always this mystique about him, probably because he wasn't as loud as me. 
As a young boy, he was quiet and thoughtful, yet outgoing. Most of the time, I wondered if he truly liked me. I mean, he had to love me because my parents told him to. I followed him everywhere and tried hard to impress him regularly. I did what I needed to do to hang out with him. Did I actually like Hot Wheels? No. I liked playing with him with Hot Wheels. Did I actually like playing Mario Kart only to get beat nine times out of ten? No. It was devastating. Heartbreaking, even. But I didn't care. As long as I was connecting with him in some way, I was happy. Over the years, I watched my brother become a husband, father, and a man of principle. When my dad got sick, he climbed into the foxhole with me. While bombs were going off all around us, his calmness and strength kept us alive. It was nothing short of heroic. So, two years later, when I had to choose someone to walk me down the aisle on my wedding day, I chose my hero. I wasn't sure what kind of emotional response I was going to have on this big day. Brides usually get to have their daddies walk them down the aisle. But I had to substitute. When the time came to walk, I started shaking. My makeup started to sweat and all of a sudden needed to pee as I waited for doors to open up to my new life. Michael leans over and says, You look beautiful. But hey, Georgia Tech came back and beat Kentucky. It was crazy. Seriously, Michael? Football? Right now? It was exactly what I needed. I later realized that it was the very thing Dad would have said to me. I no longer felt like I had to pee on myself. Sometimes that is what real heroes do. They break the tension and make you laugh when life overwhelms you. They remind you you're still just kids playing in a sandbox. So you can see why his diagnosis was so difficult for me. It only felt like it was my fault. I felt guilty that our family had to deal with this. It took me over a year to understand that our genes are not anyone's fault. If anything, him knowing about what he has will help him be proactive and preventative. He'll have to have screenings and scans regularly, just like me. I've realized through this journey that everyone has their own burdens that they have to carry. My burden that I'm carrying is cancer. This burden used to create shadows in my mind and didn't allow me to see what could make me happy again. I don't have too many terrible stories to tell outside of this one, the cancer one. And what sucks is the fact that we may find ourselves in the foxhole more than once and relive this cancer story over and over again because of our genetic disorder. As depressing as that sounds, this is a reality for me and my hero. But happiness in life is all about perspective. To think that life would be a straight line without any zigs or zags is not realistic and even irresponsible in a way. Nowadays, I choose to create my own silver lining. I choose not to live in fear of what the next game will say and allow cancer to steal time from me. Life really is a bunch of zigs and zags. Maybe we should be facing our mortality more than we do. It seems unfair to be a cancer family, but it has occurred to me that while some people get more years than others on this earth, we all get the same thing in the end. We all get a lifetime, and I would not for one second trade my lifetime with anyone else's. Having my family, my hero, my husband to face this 
crazy world with is worth it all. I won't go as far as to say this genetic disorder is a gift, but what it has done is it has made us love harder, forgive quicker, and celebrate more. So that's what I'm going to do. If you need me, you can find me celebrating life with my hero. I'm April Stearns, and you've been listening to Igniting the Fire Within, a limited series podcast by Wildfire Magazine and The Burn. Check us out at wildfirecommunity.org to order your copy of the book so you can read along each week. You'll also find our magazine and storytelling workshops there. Big thanks to our producer, Bill Smith of Shoe Production, and our production assistant, Monica Haro. Make sure you're subscribed to this podcast. If you like what you hear, tell your best friend, tell your mom, tell your oncologist. I mean, really, tell everyone you know. Or head into your podcast app and leave us a starred review to help others find their way to igniting their own fire within. Ooh.